Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. I'm a church kid. And uh, I grew up Pentecostal. I'm still Pentecostal. I know some people have changed it to charismatic and full gospel, but I'm Pentecostal. And I'm not bragging. I'm just saying that's the way I was raised. And you know, there was something, if, if I can say this, I know faith people don't like, sometimes we don't like this, these phrases, but it's something that, that I came to, we, we felt what we believed. We felt what we believed. I mean, when people started shouting and dancing, it was because their heart was shouting and dancing. When we, when we would clap our hands, it's because our heart was clapping our hands. We, we didn't come to church just to come to church. It was that, that was where the believer came every week, every, every time we came together to get energized, to get fed the Word of God. The, the church saw people saved, but it was where church folks came and we got full of the Word. Then we went out into the harvest field and got people saved. Amen. Amen. And... Uh, it's just something that when you're, when you're, when you're raised up that way, I, I, I used to, we had a lot of respect for our elders. Amen. The, the, the way they showed us how that we should follow the things of God. Amen. Amen. And somebody would stand up inevitably. They'd stand up and they'd sing a song like that. Amen. Just another day the Lord kept me. Well, right, you could tell that that was something, they had been something through that day and God had brought them out. And when they came to church that night, that was their testimony. I faced it today, but I overcame it today. Hallelujah. And they didn't know how to, to voice it, maybe. They didn't know all the faith terms. Amen. But you knew what they meant. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Leviticus 1 and we want to continue. Uh, the Lord laid some things on my heart. This uh, <clears throat> message on types and shadows. And it's not types and shadows of, of, of Christ in the Old Testament, but reasons that healing is for us today. And we talked about the very first reason was because we have been redeemed from sickness. Amen. Amen. The price has been paid. And how that the the Old Testament saints received healing on credit for what Jesus was going to do. Isaiah 53 and 5, Isaiah says, by his stripes you are healed. Uh, 1 Peter 2, 24, Jesus, or Peter says, by his stripes you were healed. Isaiah was looking to the cross. Jesus, uh, Peter was looking back at the cross. Isaiah 53 and 1 says, to whom, who has believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The arm of the Lord is significant of the power of God in the Old Testament. And God tells Isaiah by revelation, if you will just believe this, you can be healed on credit. Amen. And so then you go forward and you go to Jesus and he's on the cross where he paid the price and the note was paid. And so they were healed on credit, but we're healed by faith in what he did. Amen. 
Hallelujah. Uh, another reason that we know it's God's will to heal is the same healing spirit, the Holy Ghost that operated in the ministry of Jesus Christ is still in the church in all of its old time working power. Amen. It's still here. The Bible says in Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and power, and he went about doing good and healing all that was oppressed of the devil because God was with him. Acts chapter 19 says that God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul so that from his body were taken aprons and handkerchiefs, and when those aprons and handkerchiefs encountered the demon possessed, the demons left, and the people were healed. But notice who it says anointed, and notice who it said did the work. God did. Amen. So that same spirit is in the church. James chapter 5, 14 says, If there's any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church, anointing them with oil, and the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up. So we pray, we anoint, but the Lord raises them up. Oh, hallelujah. Another reason that we know that it's God's will to heal is because of the types and shadows we see in the Old Testament. So let's begin here in Leviticus 1. Another type and shadow, and we'll go through these. And if you want all that we went over uh, on Wednesday night, of course, you can get the CD, watch it again on YouTube or Roku. But another type and shadow of Jesus was the burnt offering. The burnt offering. Leviticus chapter 1 and verse 2. Whew. Speak unto the children of Israel and say to them, If any man of you bring an offering unto the Lord, you'll bring your offering of the cattle, even of the herd and of the flock. Verse 4, And he shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make an atonement for him. So in this offering, what we see is that the righteousness of the lamb was transferred to the individual. He put his hands on him, and the Bible says that when he did that, it shall make an atonement for him. So this is important because this is a type of Jesus. Jesus' righteousness, being the Lamb of God, was transferred to us. The Bible says in in the book of John that when John saw Jesus coming, he said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away or beareth away the sin of the world. All right. Well, he did that when you placed faith in Jesus Christ. And so what happened is when he was on the cross, he became the sin bearer for our sins. The sins of the entire world have been carried. They have been bared. They have been put on the shoulders of Jesus when he died. Everyone's sins have not been forgiven because everyone has not believed in Jesus Christ. But here's the thing. The reason it's so easy to get saved is the work has already been done and the exchange has already been made. The transfer has already been made. Jesus Jesus does not have to become sin for anyone. He already became sin for everyone. It's just that everyone has not received the impartation of righteousness because they have not believed. But the moment that you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ instantly you're made righteous and it's His righteousness that's transferred over to you. Glory to God. uh, Do do you see this? So, in Ephesians 5, 2. Now, I hope you brought your 
you can you can flip today. They'll they'll get them on the screen too. But if if you can't get there, write them down because I got a lot of scriptures for us today. Amen. Ephesians five and two. Well, let's read verse one. Be followers of God as dear children. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us. Notice this. And given himself, given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice for a sweet smelling savor. In the burnt offering, the animal was offered to God on the altar. And the Bible says it was a sweet smelling aroma to God. Jesus gave himself for an offering to God and a sweet smelling aroma. Hallelujah. That's why Isaiah says that God will see the sacrifice of Jesus and be satisfied. That's, that's so important. That it's, it's, see, where people miss this is they try to bottle this up and just make it law and grace. And that's not what it's about. This is about freedom. Freedom from sin. Freedom from sickness. When you got born again, grace came with the package. Amen. Grace is God's power and God's ability to operate on your behalf even though you don't deserve it. Amen. When God saw the sacrifice of Jesus, he, two things happened. He smelled that sweet smelling aroma and it satisfied him. It satisfied him. That means God's satisfied. God's not expecting you to do any other work where redemption is concerned. It's already been completed. You don't have to do one other thing to receive your healing other than believe the work is done, the price is paid, and it's finished. Amen. Because why? God's satisfied. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. And notice... It says that Jesus gave Himself. He gave Himself. That this is so important. Why? Because nobody made Him do it. It was, a, it was a voluntary act on His part. When the Scripture says God so loved the world that He gave His only, He gave His only begotten Son, yet here it says that Jesus gave Himself. I told you weeks ago, if you understand the Godhead, you can understand redemption. And here is Jesus and the Father. They're both thinking alike. They're both acting alike. They're both God. God the Father and God the Son have come into an agreement and a covenant and an understanding that I'm going to be the one that asks you to go. You're going to volunteer to go. I'm going to give you and you're going to give yourself. And it's going to be a sweet smelling aroma. I'm I'm going to be satisfied, and whoever will partake of it can have it. Glory be to God. Oh, He kept me. Glory to God. Amen. Another type and shadow was the Passover lamb. Look at Exodus 12. This, this is so important for this reason. That if I see this in the Word and understand this, I walk in it. Exodus 12 and verse 3. We got a few verses here. Exodus 12 and verse 3. Speak unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, 
according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. This is important because the Bible says that we are of the household of faith. And it says that God is our father. Well, we know that the Bible says Jesus is the lamb of God. And so God has a household. God has a family. That's us. And God had a lamb for his house. Jesus. Amen. Verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night. Now, this this is important. Because notice what he says about Egypt, which is a type of the world. I'll pass through Egypt. I'll pass through Egypt. But notice verse 13. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. I'm passing through Egypt, but I'm passing over you. That, that word, I thought, I thought this was so, it may not uh, be as, 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 the only word I know is neat to you as it was to me. You look at that word Passover, it means to hop or to spring. So God comes to you and he just hops over you. He's passing through, but he just hopped over them. Amen. Why? Because of the blood of the lamb. First Corinthians 5, 7, it says concerning Jesus. It says concerning him uh, and his sacrifice. It says, purge out therefore the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover or our Passover lamb is slain for us. So Christ is our Passover. Amen. The blood is on my heart. The blood is on my life. Christ is my Passover. It's a type and a shadow of Jesus Christ. Amen. Another type and shadow. And we're going to look at the Passover a a, a little more, the Passover lamb in in a moment. But another type and shadow was the kinsman redeemer. The kinsman redeemer. In the book of Leviticus. 25. Hallelujah. The reason the types and the shadows are so important uh, is because many of the types and the shadows in the scripture refer to our healing. But Leviticus 25, verse 47, notice it says, this, this, you're going to hear me make this statement a lot. This is so important. Because it says, verse 47, If a sojourner or a stranger wax rich by you, and your brother that dwelleth by him wax poor, and sell himself unto the stranger or sojourner by you, or to the stock of the stranger's family, after that he is sold, he may be redeemed again. Now notice this phrase. One of his brethren may redeem him. One of his brethren may redeem him. Jesus had to become a man to become my brother. Because my brother was able to redeem me. Amen. 
I, I remember one time my youngest daughter, well, was my youngest, my youngest daughter, my second youngest daughter. I was taking her to school. She was in third grade. And we were driving to school singing that song, As the deer pants after the water, so my soul longeth after thee. Well, there's a verse in there that says, You're my king, and you are. Uh, you're my friend, and you are my brother, even though you are my king. Hallelujah. Yeah. That always struck me. He became my brother for the purpose of redemption. I had sold myself into sin. I had sold myself under the curse. I didn't have any way out. I needed someone to come and pay the price, and it had to be someone who was near kin. It had to be somebody that had a law, biblical right to redeem me. And the only way he could have a right to redeem me was to become my brother and redeem me through his blood. Oh, praise God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And then, of course, we see that. We won't go there, but we see that drawn out in Ruth chapter 3 where uh, she went. And, of course, you remember that uh, her mother-in-law, uh, her husband had died. And then uh, uh, Ruth and her uh, sister, their husbands had died. And Ruth followed her, Naomi, into the land of Israel. And you remember she said, go and glean in the field of Boaz because he's our near kin. Hallelujah. And she went, and, and you'll remember Boaz was so moved by her story and so moved by her life that he said, well, I am the near kin. He said, but there's one nearer. And he said, I've got to see if he wants to redeem. And he didn't want to redeem. And he said, but I will. And he said, I'm letting everybody know that I am redeeming Naomi and I'm redeeming all that was hers and I'm buying it all back and I'm taking Ruth to be my wife. Well, the Bible gives us a picture of that when the apostles stood up on the last day in, in the, the, the days of Pentecost and they said, let it be known to everybody that there's only one name under heaven whereby men might be saved and it's the name of Jesus, our kinsman redeemer. The, only, the reason why He's the only name that I can be saved by is He's the only one that became my brother, making Him the only one that has the right to redeem anybody. Oh, glory be to God. Ah, look at Colossians 2. Colossians 2 and 14. So much. Thank you, Lord. If I get talking real fast, just keep up. <laughs> Colossians 2 and verse 14. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Took it out of the way. How did he do that? He redeemed me. He redeemed me. Galatians 3.13, very familiar verse. But notice what it says. Concerning our kinsman, our redeemer, Christ has redeemed us. Now, I know you've probably heard this before, but focus on the word before redeemed. Has. There's nothing you have to be redeemed of. You have been redeemed. Right? Because very often in church we hear this, well, the price is paid, but then people talk like there's something that has to be done. I have, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, 
For it's written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth upon a tree. Anything I've been redeemed from, I don't have to suffer with. There are things Jesus suffered as my example and things that Jesus suffered as my substitute. The things that He suffered as my example are things like persecution. We're persecuted for what we believe. All that live godly will suffer persecution. There are things that, 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 that people don't understand and they disagree with us. We're not redeemed from that. We're strengthened to come through it, but we're not redeemed from it. But anything that Jesus suffered for me, anything He suffered as my substitute, I don't have to mess with it. Amen. Amen. That's why 1 Peter 2.24 says, With His stripes you were healed. That's, that's not a promissory note. 1 Peter 2.24 is not a promise. It's a statement of fact. Isaiah 53 and 5 is not a promise. It's a statement of fact. Matthew 18 and 8 is not a promise. It's a statement of fact. He has bore my sicknesses. He has carried my diseases. And with His stripes I was healed. And so when the devil tries to make you sick, you pull out 1 Peter 2.24 and you say, No, sir, you're not going to charge me twice for what's already been paid. Glory be to God. Amen. I've been redeemed. And if I've been redeemed, I don't have to have it. Amen. Woo, glory. 1 Peter 1. 1 Peter 1. Bible has a lot to say about this. And uh, verse 18, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed. Now that's that, that word again, redeemed. It's all through the scriptures. You were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So Christ being our near kinsman redeemed us purchased us that's why he's still near because the bible says we do not have a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities our feeble weaknesses our physical weaknesses our spiritual weaknesses our temptations he cannot it says he we don't have a high priest who can't be touched with those but we have a high priest who became a man and was in all points tempted like as we are but yet he did not sin so it qualified him to be our near kinsman Glory to God. Some of these types of Jesus in the Old Testament show us divine healing. Notice Psalm 105. We talked about the Passover lamb earlier. Hallelujah. I trust I'm helping you. I've already shouted about it, getting it ready. Brother Hagin would say this. He said, he said, when you know by his stripes you are healed, like you know two plus two equals four, the days of dominion of sickness will be over in your life. My point in teaching these things is not just it's exciting and we should be excited about it, but it's so you can see what the word says. And you can ward sickness off. And if sickness has attacked your body, you can get rid of it. Amen. Amen. I mean, I thank the Lord every time. I, I, I look at our churches. They're, they're, we, we've had church members battled some things, but you overcame. Amen. 
you overcame, it left. It left your body. Well, it had to. Couldn't stay. It couldn't stay. I said it couldn't stay. Why can't it stay? Because you've been redeemed from it. And anything that you've been redeemed from that tries to stay is illegal. And it's just a matter of time. It's got to go. Amen. Psalm 105 and verse 37. He, God, brought them, the Israelites, forth also with silver and gold. And there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Not one feeble person among their tribes. Now, I don't know everything that went on with the Israelites. The Bible doesn't tell us. I know they were slaves. I know the Bible says they were under hard bondage, grievously tormented by their taskmasters, the Bible says. I know they were beaten. I don't know the condition all of them were in. But here's what I know. Most estimates are that either somewhere between three and three and one half million people came out of Egypt. And it says not one of them were feeble. Is that what your Bible says? Not one feeble. You know what that word means? It means in decay or limping or halting. Nobody's body was decaying and nobody was limping. Out of three and a half million. Now, you know, they all weren't middle-aged folks, 20-some-odd-year-old. I remember every year we used to watch, I remember going to the, this, I'm going to date myself. I remember going to the drive-thru to watch, drive-in movie, right? To watch Cecil B. DeMille's The Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. I've had people say, well, I know what Moses looked like. Charlton Heston. Well, right? You remember the movie? Amen. Took something like a, a, a ton and a half of jello to make the Red Sea open. But here's, here's the point that I'm making. In the, some of the opening scenes of that movie, you see him coming out of Egypt and you see the old man on the cart. Oh, my eyes are going to see our deliverance. Right? <laughs> Didn't happen. Didn't happen. There was not one, nobody, they, they might have been on a cart, but they were healthy. They were well. I, I need you to see this. These were people that had forgotten God. These were people that had went into bondage. And the Bible says they went into bondage because they forgot God. God said this is going to be a very dark time. He prophesied to Abraham. He said your, your descendants are going to go into darkness. They're going to go into bondage. For 400 years, they're not going to know me. But I'll bring them out. Hallelujah. They had to... Do something that produced this divine life in them. Do you see this? Yeah. Egypt is a type of the world. All throughout the scripture. The Bible says the Red Sea is a type of being baptized into Christ. The cloud that led them by day is a type of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. 
the people coming out healed and prosperous is a type of our redemption. What did they do? Well, if you go back, we won't take the time to go back. If you go back to Exodus chapter 12, the Bible says that that night when they killed the Passover lamb, they not only killed the lamb and put the blood on the doorpost, they partook of the body of the lamb. And the next day they came out healed and prosperous. They partook of the Passover lamb and they were healed. What we did today in symbol, we're partaking of our Passover. And that health from that meal is coursing through your body right now. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you see this? Look at Romans 8. Romans 8 and 29. Thank you, Lord. Romans 8 and 29. Oh, thank you, Father. It says, For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Among many brethren. Remember what the Bible says? A brother can redeem him. He's the firstborn among many brethren. Amen. Hebrews 1 and 6. Notice. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he says, and let all the angels of God worship him. He was the first begotten. Not the only begotten. The first begotten. Our brother. And he redeemed us. It was it was. The lamb was a symbol, a type, a shadow of our elder brother, our kinsman redeemer. And when they partook of that body, they left the land healed. On credit. God brought three million people out of bondage, healed and whole, on credit. They just did what he asked them to do. Amen. Next, let's go to Numbers 21. The brass serpent on the pole was a type of Jesus. Numbers 21. Numbers 21 and verse 7. Now there's a lot here that we need to see. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent, set it on a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it on a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten, notice this, Any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. He lived. Well, remember Jesus said in John chapter 3, he was talking to Nicodemus, and he said, the Son of Man has to be lifted up. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Right? The serpent was a symbol of the curse. 
He was a, it was a symbol of the death that had, come up, that had come upon man. Notice what it was made of. It was made of brass, representing judgment that came on man because of sin. They said, we have sinned, and that judgment came on them. But notice what he said. Any man that looks on this serpent will be healed. Any man. The Israelites looked at the serpent and received healing. What were they doing? They were basically looking forward to what Christ was going to do on the cross. Bear our judgment. Bear our sin. Bear our sickness. Bear our disease. They received on credit. They looked at that serpent and received on credit about something they didn't even have a revelation of. Everyone that was healed in the Old Testament was healed on credit. They didn't have a revelation of the redemptive work of Christ. They didn't have a... It was God's goodness. It was God doing it based on what Jesus was going to do. Everyone. I don't care who it is. Naaman the Syrian being cleansed by, uh, of leprosy. People being raised from the dead. They were, they were raised from the dead and cleansed on credit based on what Jesus was going to do. God does not operate on insufficient funds. There's already been a deposit made for your healing and it cannot be exhausted. It cannot be drained. And it's been that way ever since God made a covenant with man. Glory to God. Do you see this? Jesus said in John 3, whoever believes in Him, in what He did, in His finished work, will receive life. When we look at the cross, we see the whole of redemption. We see a completed work. Freedom from sin. Freedom from sickness. Freedom from the curse. If they in the Old Testament could look at the type and receive healing, how much more can we receive healing looking at the fulfillment of the type? Amen. That's why Hebrews 12, 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. The, 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 the instigator. The beginner. The genesis of our faith. Amen. That's another reason we know it's God's will to heal is because of the types we see in the Old Testament. Notice here in Deuteronomy 7. Oh, thank you, Lord. Deuteronomy 7 and uh, verse 15. And the Lord will take away from you all sickness and will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt that you know upon you, but will lay them all upon them that hate thee. Now, now this is all I'm going to say about this. We, we know in, in the Hebrew there's not really a tense for permissiveness, to permit something. It's written in the causative. Well, we know from the Old Testament, God does not cause sickness. Right? But it's permitted. Why is it permitted? Because there, there are people that haven't taken their rights and privileges. But here's the point. The point that I want to see is notice what it, that I want you to see is notice what he said. He said, and the Lord will take away from you all sickness. Is there anything 
mention that's not in the word all. All sickness. Now here's, here's, here's a point I want you to get. So that means you do not give any sickness honor and respect. We respect and honor nothing that's under the curse. Why? He said he would take it away. Now we may face challenges, but we don't honor it. Amen. Say, say it out loud. I honor nothing that's under the curse. He said he would take it all from our midst. Now he was doing that on credit. On what was going to happen. And Deuteronomy was written before Isaiah. Isaiah wasn't even born. Do you see this? But yet when God spoke to Isaiah, Isaiah 53 and 5 was already in his spirit and already in his plan in Deuteronomy chapter 7. And God is saying this, I'll take all sickness away from you based on what's going to happen, based on what I'm going to reveal to Isaiah, based on what I'm going to reveal to Joel, based on what I'm going to reveal to Malachi, based on what I'm going to reveal through the death of Jesus Christ. I will heal you right now and take all sickness out of your midst based on what's going to happen. Credit. Do you see this? Notice, uh, oh Lord, where am I at? Uh, Exodus 15. Exodus 15. When, when, when somebody says something, you may not be able to say it right to their face, But if you think about sickness or you think about something, you need to open your mouth and say, I don't mind telling you, I'll never have it. I'll never have it. Amen. Do do you see that? I I, I would tell the church every year, they'd start saying, well, it's flu season. I'd say, all right, let's everybody make our confession. We're not participating. We're not participating. Amen. Amen. And, and folks, listen to me. It doesn't matter if you're in a challenge, going through a challenge, have been in a challenge. Your confession stays the same. I'm not participating. You don't have a right in my body. That's what faith is. is it, you might be saying it in the midst of facing a challenge, but yet the challenge does not make what you're saying untrue. I'm healed regardless Yeah, but I have a test. I don't care. I have a result. I have a symptom. I have a this. But that does not change. I will take all sickness from your midst. You never take the report, amen, and and bring the Word of God up beside it. You bring the report up beside what does the Word say. Okay, this says that you take all sickness from my midst, so bye. I'm in, isn't that right? Yes. And you do what you need to do and you follow what you need to follow. But the whole time you're following protocol or medication or whatever you're doing, you're not saying I'm taking this medicine because I'm sick. You're saying I'm taking this medicine because Jesus has removed from me all sickness and all disease. And you got to leave my body. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. 
Yeah, but I just wish I didn't have to take medicine. Every good and every perfect gift comes from God. If that medicine makes you feel better, it's of God. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Because it feels good to feel good. <laughs> Doesn't it? It just, I, I've told my wife before, I've come out of a physical challenge and said, baby, it just feels good to feel good. Isn't that right? Did, did you find Exodus 15 and 26? Notice, I didn't. Here we go. <laughs> and said, if you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in His sight and give ear to His commandments, all of His statutes, I will put or I will allow none of these diseases on you that I've allowed on the, on the Egyptians. Why? I am the Lord that heals you. <laughs> so God said in the Old Testament, He would take away from us all sickness. And then God called Himself the God that heals you. So you have a God that will take all sickness away. And he says, oh, by the way, I'm the God that heals you. Hallelujah. Notice Exodus 23. Exodus 23 and verse 25. And you shall serve the Lord your God and he will bless your bread and water. And I will take sickness away from the midst of you. So you can biblically go to your house today and declare over your home, you are a home that sickness is out of the midst of. This is a sickness-free zone. Amen. Say it out loud. I'm a sickness-free zone. I'm a disease-free zone. I'm cancer-free. I'm virus-free. Any sickness, any disease, not even mentioned in the Word, I'm free from now that settles it. And, 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 and I just feel like being a good pastor. I have to say this. That doesn't mean you're not responsible. It doesn't mean you don't do the right thing. You wash your hands. You do what you need to do. But you wash your hands knowing I'm healed. Amen. I'm not washing my hands to get healed or, or, or stay healed. I'm healed. I'm already healed. I'm going to wash my hands. I'm going to do what I need to do. Folks, don't get caught up in the things that sidetrack everybody else. Yeah. You're healed. Yeah, you got to wear this stupid thing. You're healed. Wear the stupid thing and know you're healed. You're healed. You're healed. You're not doing it because you're afraid or you're healed. You're healed. Don't, don't, don't get sidetracked. That'll frustrate you. And frustration puts an end to your faith. Frustration makes your faith impotent. You can't do that. You've got to stay in joy and stay in peace and stay in the love of God. You've got to love the people. Be joyful. Be happy. Be at peace. Why? You're healed and you want to stay that way. Amen. Just be like Lily. You got to put a mask on. Be like her. She's like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Does it go with my shirt? Ooh. And then she puts it on. She walks like this. Don't none of y'all do it. Especially you fellas. I don't want to see anybody doing that. We'll have to pray about something else. Amen. <laughs> Woo! Go over to Psalm 103. Oh, we're having fun. I had a person say one time, y'all, 
or people intimated one time that all that laughing we do in church. And I said, look, if you're not having joy serving God, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. It's, it's, amen. He said, he has filled my mouth with laughter. Isn't that great? I mean, think of it. Some of y'all are laughing this morning because you have been sick and you're well. You, you fought a disease and overcame it and it just makes you laugh. Ha, ha, ha. Amen. Right? You thought you had me, but ha, ha, ha. Here I am. I'm well. I'm whole. I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. And you can't make me sick because you can't charge me twice. Oh, glory to God. Psalm 103, verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. What are they, David? Who forgives all your iniquities? Who heals all your diseases? Oh, here's one. Who redeems your life from destruction? That crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Hallelujah. Notice that. He said He heals all of our diseases. This is an Old Testament promise. That David's talking about on credit. <laughs> look, at, look at just a couple verses over. Psalm 107 and verse 20. I, this is, oh Lord, one of my favorite verses. He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Amen. Do you see this? The word here that it's talking about is referring to the word that came by the prophets in the Old Testament. He sent His word and healed them. Now, I know that that word became flesh in the New Testament, but, but notice this. In the New Testament, the word became flesh and healed us. Why are these types important? Because for the Old Testament saints, healing was part of their covenant. As New Testament saints, we have a better covenant established on better promises. The Old Testament saints were looking forward to the fulfilling of the promises. We're walking in the fulfillment of the promise. Oh, glory to God. Do you, do you see this? And, and there's so much. I, I, I want you to see this. Uh, let me see. I, I want to make sure I didn't go past this. Uh, oh, glory. Because it, it, it proves something that I want you to see. In uh, the scripture, let me see. I think I went. Because it's really jumped in my spirit. I had a friend that he would get a revelation. He said, boy, that made my baby jump. And <laughs> first time he said that, I was like, huh? Oh, now I get it. Okay, Elizabeth and Mary. But Exodus 23 and uh, verse 26. Notice, there will nothing cast their young nor be barren in your land. The number of your days I will fulfill. Now you'll hear people make this silly statement. Well, if you never get sick, how are you going to die? The Bible just told you how you can die without being sick. Notice what it says. 
You shall serve the Lord your God. He'll bless your bread and water and take sickness away from the midst of you. If sickness is taken away from your midst, then it cannot be the cause for your death. And the number of your days you will fulfill. Amen. Well, what does that mean? That means one day you'll just be sitting in your house whenever you're satisfied, whenever you're ready to go at the end of your long, satisfying life. And you'll just decide it's time to go. Your heart will stop, your spirit will leave, and that'll be it. Now, to be a good pastor, I have to say, some of y'all are looking at me like you don't believe that. But it's the truth nonetheless. We've watched it over and over. I've heard testimony after testimony. Not just for us, not just for them, it's for us too. Amen. I've had people say, well, you know, Brother Hagin died of a heart problem. No, he didn't. He died from an old heart. It just stopped. He always said, Brother Hagin said for years, if you heard I died, you know I got satisfied. I'm not going one moment before I'm satisfied. He said the number of your days you would fulfill. Is that, is that right? So, so, so that may, that, that, listen, in the, would you say, am I helping you all this morning? Would you say that in the millennial reign of Christ, that that will be as close to the will of God as anybody has ever seen. It says during the millennial reign of Christ, read it in Isaiah. It says during the millennial reign of Christ that if you die before the age of 100, you'll be considered a baby. It's a thousand year reign, remember? You do plan to be there, right? There are going to be people that come out of the tribulation <laughs> that aren't even born again that are going to live that whole thousand years. How do I know that? Because at the end of that thousand year reign of Christ, Satan mounts an army again, tries to overthrow God. And he gets people, he gets armies together to help him. Right? And God shows up and puts an end to that strange battle. But here's my point. If, if we would say that's when perfection is on the earth, then according to Scripture, in, that, in those verses, if you die before 100, you're a baby. I'm not saying how long you have to live, but live till your days are fulfilled. Don't go out of here one second before you need to. Brother Hagen was praying with a woman one time. She was an older woman, and she had been diagnosed with cancer. And, she, and he was working with her. Her name, they just called her Grandma. And she, he said, now, Grandma, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work with you here. And she said, oh, Brother Hagen, just let me go on. I've, I've had a long life. He said, nope. He said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get you healed. And then if you want to die, go ahead and die healed, but don't die sick. And then there's something. The Lord healed her, and she decided, you know, I can keep living a little while longer. And she went back on the evangelistic field and started preaching meetings again. The number of your days you will fulfill. Why? Sickness has been taken from your midst. Say it out loud. Sickness has been taken from my midst. And the number of my days I will fulfill. Amen. I've, I've talked to people before with these promises. That, that's another reason why we know healing is for today is because of the marvelous promises 
that are in the Word of God. These marvelous promises that God has made. And I've had people come and tell me, well, I just don't want to die and leave my kids without a mother or leave my wife without a, a husband. Well, you're not going to if you choose not to. Those are thoughts that turn to seeds. You can't think that way. There are people today that won't go to the doctor about something because they're afraid they'll find something that might kill them. So just stay home in ignorance and die from something that will kill you either way, whether you know about it or you don't. But ignorance is not faith. And faith is not ignorance. Faith is not denial. And these promises are there so I can grab a hold of them regardless of the report I get. Amen. Well, here's your report. And we see that you've got this. Now, wait a minute. Now, we're faith people, right? What does that change? Do we have to go and get a Bible 2.0 now? Well, Lord, now you said I was saved and... Or that I was healed and, you know, I got this report. What Isaiah say? Who hath believed our, our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Those that will what? Believe that by His stripes I'm healed. Right? And that's why whatever you're doing, whatever you're doing, if the doctor puts you on medicine, if the doctor says you need to take this or you need to do this, you do it knowing that the arm of the Lord is being revealed for me and by His stripes I was healed. God doesn't have to heal me. I've already been healed. Already been healed. Isn't that great? Oh Lord, hallelujah. Glory to God. So they obtained that report through faith. They were healed and prosperous, but they never received the promise. Notice this in Hebrews 11 and verse 39. I got just a couple more scriptures. Can you take just a little more? Hallelujah. You know, don't start thinking about the end when we're just getting, getting there. Uh, Hebrews 11 verse 39. All these... Having obtained a good report through faith, notice this, did not receive the promise. God, having provided some, that, that word, I like that word provided, but I like the word that it means better, foreseen. God foresaw something better for us. That they without us should not be made perfect. What, is that, what does that mean? The Old Testament saints... Believing on credit to be made complete, there had to be the fulfilling of the promise and the believing on our end. Hallelujah. Notice it says they received a good report, but they never received the promise. God saw something better for us. What was something better? Jesus. He saw Jesus and the Old Testament saints are brought to completion alongside you and me. Amen. So when we say something like, I'm walking in Abraham's faith, I am walking in Abraham's faith, but I'm walking in a fuller measure. 
because I'm walking in the true. I'm not walking in something that I have not, that has not been completed. Amen. Whew. Notice John 8, 56. These types of Jesus. Oh, glory. If, if we're giving you a lot, just get the CD. Go back and watch it. Because there's so much that the Word says. John 8 and 56. Jesus was dealing with the, the people of His day. And He said, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. Notice how He finishes it. And He saw it and was glad. Abraham saw Jesus' day. When did he see it? Notice Genesis 22. Genesis 22 and 13. I want you to see this. Genesis 22 and 13. We've read these verses, but it's so important because uh, uh, Abraham took Isaac to Mount Moriah and was offering him there. And notice, as he was about to put the knife in his son, it says, Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went, it says, and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. The very first type that we looked at in the message today was the burnt offering being a type of Jesus Christ and how the righteousness of that burnt offering was transferred to the man. Abraham on Mount Moriah saw the day of Jesus and rejoiced in it. Because here God revealed to him that there is a substitute coming. Oh, glory to God. He gave him a revelation of the Messiah to come that would be a substitute. Abraham believed that the ram in the thicket was a type of the one that was to come. But the Bible says that you and I have the fulfillment of all the types. We're not operating in the shadow. We're operating in the thing. We're not operating in the type. We're operating in the reality of it. Jesus said, over and over again, there were things Jesus said. The fulfillment is better than the type. Jesus said, John 6, 32, I am the true bread. Right? He said, that, he said as your fathers ate manna in, in the wilderness, he said, that bread came down from heaven. He said, but I'm the true bread. Right? The type ceased. But the true is still there. In other words, what the manna did for the children in, in children of Israel in the wilderness is what we walk in all the time. We walk in perfect sustenance. We walk with every need supplied. But not only do we walk in that, we walk in the promised land. The promised land is a, is a picture of redemption, a picture of the Holy Ghost life that we now live, the fullness of the promise. Those Israelites that died in the wilderness, here's the sad thing. They never walked in the fullness of the promise that God made to them. New Testament believers can fail to walk in the fullness of the promise that God has made and finished and stamped as done in Jesus Christ. Amen. He said, I'm the true bread. Uh, John 1, 9, he said, I'm the true light. I'm the light that lights every man that comes in the world. Glory to God. John 15, 1, Jesus said, I'm the true vine. The true vine. In other words, I'm the fulfillment of all the types. There is bread, but I'm the true bread. There's light, but I'm the true light. The true is the fulfillment of the type. 
Now let's look at one other verse. Luke 24. Luke 24. And this is a, a scripture that we uh, have looked at numerous times, but remember Jesus came to these men as they were traveling on the road to Emmaus. And uh, in verse 25, he said to them, fools, whoa, whoa. meaning just you don't understand, and slow of heart to believe. Notice what he said now. All that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? Notice this. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He took them back and showed them the type. Right? Now notice verse 44. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then he opened their understanding that they might understand the Scripture. The whole Old Testament points towards Jesus. The whole Old Testament points towards Jesus. It's all a type and a shadow of the one that's to come. Now, that when, you, when you look at the, at the two covenants, the two testaments, it seems like the old is larger than the new. But when you get into the true, you don't need near as much information. There, there was, there was 4,000 years of history, or, or excuse me, uh, uh, 2,000 years of history about Jesus. He's coming. It took, it took God 2,000 years to get the promise into the earth. Hallelujah. And it's been 2,000 years from Jesus to us. The whole Testament points towards Jesus. So what do we need to do? To see Jesus in the Scriptures, and we need to see Him as our healer. If I see Him in the Scriptures, I need to see Him as my healer. Hallelujah. Because all the types point towards Jesus as our healer. And, there, and there's something I'll leave you with. In the book of Exodus, the Bible says, if you'll remember, it likely happened more than once that the water came out of the rock. But if you'll remember, the Bible says the first time that God told Moses to strike the rock. The first time. Well, the Bible says in the New Testament that that rock was Christ. Right? So the, the, the rock was struck and water came out. Living water came out. <laughs> the second time we read about it, the children of Israel are complaining. And the Lord told Moses, speak to the rock. Moses struck the rock. That cost him. Why was it an issue? Because the rock was Christ. 
The first time that he was smote, chastisement fell on him once. From that point forward, we speak and declare what's already been done. When Moses struck the rock the second time, it, it was an injustice because Jesus cannot be punished again for what he's already bore the punishment for. Hallelujah. And it shows us that even, even people that are trying to get Jesus to do something he's already done, God will bless them to a measure. Amen. But for those of us that will believe and speak, believe and speak, believe and speak, what do we get? We get the Word of God, the water of the Word of God coming into our life. And every time you believe and speak and you say, I am the healed of the Lord. He has taken all my sickness and all my disease from my midst. What you're doing is you're accessing, not the type, you're accessing the fullness of it. Oh, glory be to God. Father, we thank you today. We thank you, Father, that we're healed. We thank you that we're kept by the power of God. We thank you, Father, that This has been a time of enrichment and a time of victory and a time of faith building. And we thank you, Lord, that as we leave today, we leave knowing that not only are you our healer, but you have healed us and you have kept us and you've delivered us. And we give you the praise for it in the name of Jesus. We're so grateful. Thank you, Father. Amen and amen. We'll stand up, everyone. Praise the Lord.